0: How one side hustler bought herself a $5,000 a month income stream with no money down. What's up? What's up? Nick Loper here. Welcome to The Side Hustle Show, now a proud member of the Entrepreneur Podcast Network. It's the business podcast. You can actually apply. And we've got hundreds of episodes on building time-leveraged income streams. But what if instead of building, you could insert yourself into an income stream that's already happening it might not be that far fetched, and it might not even cost a lot, as today's guest illustrates. She's a real estate agent by day, but at the ripe old age of 22, bought a cash flowing car wash with seller financing and no money out of pocket. Today, that business generates thousands of dollars in profit per month for just a few hours of work every week. Hannah Ingram, welcome to The Side Hustle Show.
1: Hey, thanks for having me. Happy to be here.
0: You bet. Stick around in this one to learn how to go shopping for cash flow near you, what Hannah's done to improve the business after she took over, and how much work is actually required. But Hannah, take me back a couple years. You just dropped out of college. You're 22. You've got your real estate license already, and you want to get started investing, but you're kind of in this position of, well, it takes money to make money, and I don't have a ton of money in the bank. So take me back to that moment.
1: Yeah. So that was the toughest part. I knew I wanted to become rich. I mean, at the end of the day, that was my goal, working toward financial freedom. And I was looking into all these ways to invest, ways to get into real estate, ways to do real estate investing, and everything needed like money. So I was like, what can I do? I've got to find a way to get around this because, like you just said, I just dropped out of college, had like $2,000 in my bank account, and I'm over here trying to make moves. But everything requires money. So that's where it came into finding a way around that. Because you can go on YouTube, you can go online, you can check out these influencers and stuff and these gurus telling you how to invest. But trying to figure out where to get the money to do that at is the hardest part. So that's where I had to find a way around that.
0: What attracted you to car washes specifically or the idea of buying a business or buying land with a business on it?
1: I read this quote by Warren Buffett that said, if you don't find a way to make money in your sleep, you will work until you die That really just like hit me like a ton of bricks right there I was like it man, hits you like, right yeah I was like what can I do that actually makes passive income
0: yeah and for most people that's like the traditional retirement path like I'm gonna build up this huge nest egg and you know eventually gonna live off the dividends interest appreciation or it's rental properties that I can build off that cash flow or I could build. A business that spins off cash flow, but it, it absolutely hits you. You're like, well, shoot, I'd rather not wait or I'd rather not work until I die. I'd like to have some optionality here.
1: Exactly. That was my whole thought press and I think really long term. So I was like, man, I am not going to work until I die. Like, (laughs) I'm going to be retired by the time I'm 30, you know. So I was like, okay, I sat down. I was like, what businesses are actually making money? You know, if I'm at the gym, if I'm hanging out with friends, if I'm out selling real estate, showing a house or whatever. And that's when I was like, okay, car washes, laundromats, storage unit facilities. So like, those were like the three that I really went hard and put a focus on trying to acquire. Where were you shopping? I was looking around like on loopnet.com, com. I was doing driving for dollars, kind of like the whole wholesaling method, but with businesses and just scouring the internet.
0: Can I pause you? What do you mean by driving for dollars?
1: So driving for dollars, I was like driving around looking for kind of like ran down businesses and I would slide a note under the door, okay, you know, with my number on it, asking if they're interested. Yeah.
0: If they're like, the building is still there, but they're not, it doesn't appear that they're operational.
1: That or it looks really ran down because I'm trying to find a motivated seller. So I'm trying to find one that's ran down. That doesn't look like it's been in business for a while or whatever.
0: Okay. And so you come across. So uh, LoopNet is one that I've heard of. crexy is new to me. And so I was just, you know, looking around what what might be available. <laughs> I found a car wash for me, but they're asking $2.4 million in Seattle. I'm like, uh, and it still looks kind of run down. It's like it's marked as like a development project or something. So was it through one of those searches or had you come across the property that you landed on?
1: So I've been searching for forever. And apparently this car wash had just hit the market. I didn't even know it was listed yet. And a friend of mine told me about it because I had mentioned it to her. And she told me, she was like, hey, this one's for sale. It was in my same town. So I just hadn't seen it yet, but it was like up for sale. I just had not actually laid eyes on it being listed yet.
0: Okay. That's great. So what's your next step?
1: Next step was I contacted the sellers, took a tour of the property, got the financials, made sure this thing was actually making money. Then we went from there.
0: So what was the sticker price? Or do you remember what the sticker price was?
1: It was 150K and I talked them down to 140. So got it for 140K.
0: And that's based on a multiple of their last 12 to 24 months of earnings.
1: I don't really know how they came up with the number, but that was just kind of what they threw out there. That's what they wanted.
0: It included the business and the land, or was it leased on top of the land?
1: Nope. Land, building, business, equipment, everything. Wow.
0: I got to move to t- Tennessee. That sounds yes. way better than $2.4 <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, for sure. So the owner, they want out. They've listed it for sale. But then the, they're thinking, hey, I'm going to get this $150,000 payday. That's a big gap. Between expectation and like, well, hey, I've got $2,000 in my pocket. How am I going to buy this thing? So talk to me about convincing this seller financing deal to say, "Hey, I'm going to take it over. I'll pay you every month out of the proceeds of the business. He's like, no, that doesn't necessarily sound that attractive if I got a cash offer on the table.
1: Right, exactly. Yeah, so like I said, they wanted out of it. It was for sale. So they had a motive. They did not want it anymore. They got it passed down. They didn't want it to begin with, really from what I could tell. So the turnaround time with me doing the creative financing method was a no-brainer for them. I could take it off of their hands in two weeks. So they wanted out of that. And then with me paying down on the loan, I cut down on the capital gains tax that they had to pay whenever we refied it, as well as like they were still getting money every month, and I had already taken it off their hands. So they were very happy to let me go ahead and have it, so they didn't have to go through a 60-day closing process with like a lender, underwriting, stuff like that.
0: Yeah, I see a lot of similarities to what you call like real estate wholesaling, looking for these motivated sellers. Maybe it's a burnt out landlord. Cody Sanchez talks about lots of reasons why business owners would sell a profitable business. Like it got handed down to them. I don't have any operational experience. Maybe I live two hours away. Like, I don't want to deal with this. Maybe I'm moving. Maybe just I'm, I'm done with it. I want to retire. Yep. Yep. And it talks about like the transfer of wealth from the boomer generation to Gen Z, Gen Y, and just yeah, lots of reasons why people would want to get out.
1: That's what we're seeing a lot of the boomer generation. They're getting out of it. Kids don't want it, maybe. They're moving away. So, yeah, that's definitely a big factor.
0: I was going to ask, aside from reviewing the financials and doing a cursory inspection of the property, was there anything else that went into the due diligence phase?
1: I definitely looked at location, but really for me, like the main thing was like looking at the finances and making sure this thing was actually profiting because I would be very skeptical to buy a business that was losing money. And looking at the financials, I also looked at maybe potential to earn more. So like, for example, they were paying for a radio ad every month, like 200 bucks, I think it was 100, 200 bucks. I cut that out. I could spend twenty bucks on a Facebook ad and get better results than a radio ad. So just different things, analyzing the financials and making sure that I could come out with profit every month.
0: yeah, and i I like that task, and i'll I'll ask some of your your first moves after taking over because I think that's maybe it's undervalued for somebody with a different skill set or you know I could bring some fresh eyes, some fresh perspective in here, improve the digital presence, you know whatever it may be, improve some things operationally. Would you remember what it was earning on a monthly basis when you took over?
1: It was anywhere from maybe two to three thousand, sometimes less. I think I saw on there. It was definitely in need of some sprucing up and stuff.
0: A little bit of a little bit of love, a little bit of new energy, new life breathed into it. When I'm thinking of like, okay, I'm signing myself up for no money out of pocket, but still I'm on the hook now for this 140 grand. I got to figure out how to go and do that. Like, what if the market tanks? Like, hey, it's a car wash. It's got to be relatively not necessarily recession-proof, but like relatively consistent. I imagine there's some seasonality to it, but what kind of risks did you foresee or project out into the future? Like, oh gosh, what if, I don't know, like what would happen? Worst case scenario type of stuff.
1: It was definitely, of course, in the back of my mind. I try to think positive, but of course there's always that factor. I actually had some land with the car wash. So I thought, you know, worst case scenario, I'm going to put storage units on that land. I could just... If a big car wash came in and took all my business, I could just convert it into storage units or maybe sell it to like an automotive shop and they can use the bays. Like I was just thinking of all these different backup plans, but that's part of me doing my due diligence and having confidence in the business before I even buy it. I definitely thought about the plan B there. What would I do if this happened or that happened?
0: Yeah, as I'm looking around and maybe as you were looking at the storage facilities, the laundromats the car washes like anything that you're looking for if you're on LoopNet or if you're in conversations with these sellers if you end up striking up a conversation like either red flags or go signals
1: when i'm helping my students so many of the times they're like hey this guy wants to sell but he doesn't want to show me the financials and i'm like oh my gosh like how can you even make a solid (laughs) business decision if they're not going to send you the financials. So that's already a red flag. I don't want to do business with anybody like that. I would walk. And then I also like to know like how they've taken care of the equipment. Like, Are they doing preventative maintenance? Is this place going to blow up next month because you've not oiled the cat pumps in 12 years or whatever? So <laughs> just getting a feel of how they've taking care of the equipment and stuff like that. And even if they haven't, I could still strike up a deal, but not sending financials, that is a huge red flag, like right up front. And that's when you don't even have to waste your time anymore. You can just walk because no way would I buy a business I couldn't see the financials on.
0: Yeah. And you could see the business owner. well, it really makes this much, but for tax purposes, this is how it, this yeah. tax business, you're like, well, that's great, but I can't go to the bank on that.
1: Exactly. And that's where you can be like, "Hey, I'll sign an NDA, like a non-disclosure agreement, so that you know that your information, like I'm not going to go out there and post it. I'm not going to go out there and talk about it. So your financials are safe with me. Let me sign an NDA for you."
0: Yeah, and you're like, "What am I going to? Am I I'm not going to go and, open, you know, build a brand new car wash across the street to compete with you from scratch. Like, let's be realistic here." Okay. So the seller agrees. Hey, and how long was it listed? Like it must not have been listed very long before he agrees to this or they agree to this seller financing deal.
1: It actually wasn't like, I think it had maybe been on the market two days. I didn't even know about it. And usually the longer it sits on the market, the more motivated sellers usually are to sell. So they were very motivated. That's why I'm, I tell people like, you got to find a motivated seller, find someone with a motive to sell. So yeah, they were like, for sure. Let's do it.
0: All right. So this is May 2021. You get the keys, you take over. What are some of your first moves?
1: Well, it was needing some like remodeling. So I took down the old signs and I didn't do all this like right up front. Like I didn't have $10,000 to just come in there and make over the whole place. This was just like, what I like to do is set aside 10% of like what I made every month and like pump that back into the business, whether that was making something run better, look better, you name it. Came in there. I redid the logo. I did not change the name just because for branding purposes, like that car wash had been there since the 90s. So like everyone knew it as that name. So redid the logo, redid the signage. The vacuum hoses had duct tape around the handles. So I replaced those. I was like, we're not doing duct tape down here at this business. I just made some like mechanical stuff better. So I had my car wash mechanic kind of tell me like, hey, this is running pretty poorly. Let's do this, stuff like that. Replace the foam brushes, replace the spray guns. And then just this year, I had saved up enough to get credit card readers in. So it's not just a full cash business now. They can, because, you know, I don't carry cash hardly ever. Most people don't these days. So they're wearing the credit card readers out. Like that was a great move, putting those in, even though it costs, seven grand.
0: Okay. Yeah. Some upfront investment there, but you widen the customer base, probably increase the average ticket. I imagine too. It's like, well, it's on plastic. Let's charge it.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: And from looking at the videos, it looks like it's kind of a self service. Like it's not necessarily like an automated machine where you drive through and they got all the brushes and stuff spinning. It's kind of like you pull into the bay and you do it yourself where the alternative is like, well, you do that in your driveway or something.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I also have vending machines down there for convenience, different products in there. Some of those vending machines weren't even working when I bought it. I had to fix them. So now all six vending machines down there work. So that was another thing.
0: Sounds like a very much a fixer-upper type of project where it's like, hey, even in this rundown state, in the state of semi-neglect, it's still profitable. But by just tweaking a few things, we can probably double that. And I think that's, that's really interesting. That's where Side hustlers in particular have an opportunity to come in and forced appreciation, as they say in in the real estate world there. Did you know that roughly half of Side Hustle Nation hasn't started their side hustle yet? If that's you, I get it. Starting and building a business is tough. It takes more than just an idea. There are tons of moving parts, and it's a bit like trying to assemble your airplane in the middle of takeoff. Thankfully, our sponsor, Taylor Brands, is helping Side Hustle Show listeners make that leap and make it all a lot easier. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, making sure you have everything you need all in one place. Think of it like your behind-the-scenes partner for things like The matching and hiring platform is trusted by over three and a half million businesses worldwide to connect with great talent faster. And ninety three percent of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. For my next hire, I'm using Indeed to tap into a talent pool of three hundred fifty million unique monthly visitors. And what else is cool is Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets. the radio ads to Facebook ads, anything else on the marketing side of things?
1: This business like wasn't even on Google. Didn't even have like a Google page. So I added it to Google and then got the reviews up. I would ask people that were down there and be like, hey, please go leave me like an honest review.
0: As you're out doing your daily maintenance, you just talk to the people who happen to be there. Hey, would you mind dropping in a review on Google? Let me text you a link or something.
1: Yeah, here's an air freshener. Please Google my business. Drop me a review. (laughs) You know what I mean? So also too like once you get the customer there first impressions everything so like I would keep the car wash as spotless as I could keep the trash taken out because when the owners owned it before me the trash was always piling up trash all over the parking lot looked bad keeping Bay's hose down and keeping stuff working making sure you're testing stuff to make sure that when the customer first visits your business and they put their money in that the hose isn't busted and it's gonna squirt soap everywhere and they can't even use it first impressions big too but getting them there. I got on Google, got on Facebook, got on Instagram, posted regularly, would ask people to share this post. I'd done giveaways. I would spend maybe 25, 50 bucks here and there on an ad just like targeted within like a 10 mile radius of my car wash and just getting in front of more people's faces, stuff like that.
0: What were you giving away?
1: I just gave away like a gift card or something like that. And uh, I think like first place won like a gift card, second place one, like a free car wash, third place one, like a free car wash or something like that. But getting on Google has been great. I've had a lot of people there from out of state because my car wash is about five, six minute drive from the interstate. If they're specifically searching for that, now I show up. Whereas before they didn't even know it was there. You got to drive about five minutes away. I've had people from Canada stop by my car wash just to get the salt off. I'll see like the license plate (laughs) says like Ontario And I'll go over there and just strike up a conversation, you know, and they found it from Google or else no one from Canada is going to even know it's there. So very important.
0: If you're not looking for it, you're never going to just happen upon it. That's really interesting. (laughs) Are there, I don't know, give me a sense of the size of the town. Like, Are there multiple competitors operating similar businesses or are you kind of a market of one
1: here? There's one literally two minutes down the street from me. If I stood on the roof of my car wash, I could probably see his car wash. But I live kind of in like a smaller town. There are like mine and his. And then the next closest car wash is like probably like a 12, 15 minute drive.
0: Okay. On the Facebook ads, do you remember what the messaging was? I like this, you know, the ability to target people within a super tight geographical area. Do you remember what the messaging was there?
1: It was just something pretty much just brand awareness. Just maybe like a picture of the car wash from like a drone perspective that looked real nice with the name and the address. And then I went hard whenever I got credit card readers. That's where like I have a continuous ad running because the guy down the street from me, he doesn't have credit card readers.
0: Ah, okay. Now he can differentiate. Yeah.
1: So now that I do, I'm trying to let everyone know like, hey, if you use his car wash, but you ever find yourself with no cash, I got credit card readers, come on down. So now I do have something that sets me apart.
0: Come on down. Yeah. That's one of the maybe perceived risks is it's somewhat a commodity where, especially if it's self-service, where it's like, I I just, I need to get this done. I'm going to be doing it myself. It don't really matter where I go. So any level of branding and first impressions and loyalty that you can instill and say okay now i'm now I'll hopefully hook a customer for life and they keep coming back here versus having to keep conquesting new people one-on-one so i like this call on on first impressions and actually the car wash near me or like the kind of like mini local chain it's called brown bear what they do is they sell a i think 25 a month membership like unlimited washes for 25 bucks a month and i was like man it was one of these examples where, like, everything must be a subscription now. and <laughs> It's like, yes. I never thought about this. But it's like, oh, I guess <laughs> that kind of makes sense. Like, it's going to keep getting dirty. So, it makes sense. I don't know. You ever experimented with something like that?
1: I've thought about it. I've not really looked in it. Is that an automatic that's doing that? It is. is. It like so, an it's kind of like you, you
0: put it in neutral and drive through the thing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. See, I could see it from like an automatic. I don't know how I would set it up yet. I'd have to like really think about it and look into it from like a self serve standpoint, like the unlimited washing with the self-serve. So not sure how I'd structure it, but I've definitely thought about it and I'm going to keep looking into it.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to think of what else, like maybe any commercial fleets nearby. I think they probably have their own on-hand staff to deal with that. Because it was like in the, I was in the car business and they'd have an on site detail guy who'd be in charge of washing mm-hmm. the used cars as they come through. But yeah. Uh, <laughs> so you're doing real estate by day and this is maybe I wouldn't call it totally passive, but definitely time leveraged in that you don't have to be there for it to operate. There are some daily maintenance tasks required, taking out the trash, cleaning out these bays. Do you have a sense of how that fits into your daily schedule?
1: Yeah, just really when I get the time to go down there, that's when I go down there, whether that's in the morning, at night, middle of the day, really doesn't matter. And I'm usually there no more than 20, 30 minutes a day. If it's extra dirty, maybe 45 minutes. And then some days when it rains, I'm there for five, 10 minutes because no one's been there. I'm just in and out. So it's very convenient for me whenever I can get out there. And it's I know that I'm not going to be there past 30 minutes.
0: Yeah. So you're stopping by, you're making sure, I guess, to clean out the money machine or take out the cash that's there that I imagine is a vandalism or theft risk to leave for any length of time. And just kind of this daily maintenance stuff. And so,
1: yeah. It's really just tidying up, cleaning up.
0: Yeah, that's the interesting part. Is the detractors say, "Well, you didn't buy a business; you bought yourself a job." But it's like, hey, if your cash flow positive five grand a month in exchange for thirty minutes a day—that's fifteen hours a month. That's three hundred bucks an hour. So it's a three hundred dollar an hour job with equity, by the way. So it's like, oh, if I can improve the cash flow, it's, the business is also worth more on the other side. So that's
1: exactly. It was a pretty good job
0: to go out and go out yeah. and acquire for yourself. Is that, I think people will ask about the cash flow versus the expenses versus the debt service. Are you comfortable giving me a breakdown of, okay, top line revenue is 10 grand and what that looks like?
1: I had a real estate balloon with contract for deed. The bank treats it as a refi. So refied it last November into my LLC. So like didn't even have an LLC, but whenever I refied it, refinanced it into the LLC's name. So What I did was I actually rolled the credit card readers into the loan. So the loan went from 140. I think I did like $10,000. I rolled it in, went to like 150 ish. So now my loan payments like about $1,200 a month now. Whereas whenever I was paying on the seller's loan, it was like $780.83 plus interest to them. It's really comes out to be about the same for me now. Now, of course, interest rates have gone up.
0: So that allowed you to cash out the original seller. So you took out your own financing.
1: Yeah, exactly. Okay. With the real estate balloon.
0: Okay. How does the balloon work?
1: It's kind of complicated like to explain it, but like in a nutshell, you can have a contract for deed. You can do a two-year balloon, three, four, five-year balloon. I did a two-year balloon. What I put in the contract is I wanted to refi it after two years because usually most of the time lenders want to see you know at least two years of income to use that. Word alone. So after two years, then that's when you're like, okay, we're gonna refinance this into either your personal name or the name of your LLC. And then once that's in your name, the property's actually in your name, deed has your name on it, and you can actually borrow against it, cash out the equity, borrow against it if that's what you want to do. It's yours to do whatever you want with.
0: That balloon was on the original seller financing contract.
1: Yeah, two year balloon. Two okay. year balloon.
0: Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. So it's like, okay, I got two years to figure this out, to figure out how to get a bank to give me some money for this.
1: Yep, exactly. You don't ever have to do a balloon if you don't want. Like, I mean, if you find someone who's going to sell or finance it to you for forever, you know, until it's paid off, you can, but it's more attractive. The smaller amount of time you can do for a balloon, the more attractive.
0: Totally. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like, how do I get the cash out of this thing as quickly as possible? I was going to ask because of the, it's not a ton of time, but still, half an hour a day. What happens if you're traveling, if you want to get out of town, if you're sick, something like, and it starts to pile up or the deferred maintenance starts. I don't know. It's not a ton of time, but still that daily thing where I got to show up.
1: So very easy to find someone to manage. Like if you're someone and you're like, man, I don't even have 30 minutes a day to go to the property. Like I'm tied up, kids and stuff work and stuff like that very easy to find someone to do it. So if I'm out of town, if I'm sick or whatever, I'll just pay a friend to go down there. And that's the thing too, like you can easily find someone maybe like posting an ad in like a community group on Facebook, on Indeed, because these tasks are just so simple. Anyone can do it. It's just taking out trash, filling the change machine back up, hanging the vacuum hoses back up. If there's mulch or dirt in a bay, spray it down. So very very easy to find someone out there because it doesn't really require a skill set to take care of a car wash
0: gotcha you could be you tack it on to other part time work that you're doing or say, hey i'll give you 20 bucks a day to go do this and okay all right that makes sense if you travel a lot for work or for a vacation you might be familiar with that feeling you get knowing you're leaving your space unused for long periods of time and
1: I thought that the maintenance was going to be a lot harder than it was. It's just nothing to me now. Like, I swear, like we closed the car wash on a Friday and I drove there like Saturday morning and I walked in the mechanical room and I just looked around at all the equipment and I was like, what have I done? I don't know what any of this stuff does. Like, what have I done? Like, like is it too late to take it back? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. But looking at it was overwhelming. So what I did was, They had a car wash mechanic they used. And I also got a number from the guy down the street from me who he used. And I called him up and I was like, hey, can you just come down here and just show me what all this stuff does, please? So I got a notebook and with him telling me what everything kind of did give me a general idea, I just took notes on all that. Anytime he has to go out there for something, I meet him down there and I watch how to fix it so that next time I don't have to call him back to fix it. I've never been someone that's like super, like I can fix anything. But now there's not much that I can't fix down there by myself. Like I very rarely have to call him out. Um, But it just came from learning. Everything
0: is YouTubeable.
1: Yeah. YouTube, asking him, meeting him there. And very rarely do I have to call him out anymore. So that was probably the number one thing.
0: Yeah, that does sound intimidating. The same thing with like, Oh, real estate is passive, but houses don't magically maintain themselves either. So it's like there's going to be some level of maintenance and upkeep required there. It's intimidating from the outside looking in. But then once you do it, once you learn a few things, skills, you make a few local connections with people that you trust. Okay, it becomes just a part of doing business. It's fun. Yeah, same thing with running websites, in my case, where 15 years ago, oh, no, this thing broke, the HTML, like, okay, well, that's just, okay, now, through years of repetition and practice. Okay, that's not that big a deal. You mentioned potentially adding storage units, potentially adding vending, like, what does the future hold? Are you focused on expanding the car wash empire? What are your next moves?
1: I have land with it. So definitely it's a process right now. Like I didn't think it was going to be this long or hard to get storage units put on it, but I'm trying to actually build some, which is a totally different beast than just buying something like what we're talking about. I've helped one of my coworkers buy his first car wash. So he's got it now. He's a good friend of mine. I'm really into helping other people get their business the same way I did now. I'm so passionate about it. That's really the number one thing I'm focused on. Because like when I first started this, it was kind of like, okay, I'm going to go out here and I'm going to buy like 12 car washes and doing this. And then it kind of turned in. I, I blew up on TikTok, posting videos on there. People wanted more and more and more. And then it just was like an accident. Like I just started mentoring people and now it's turned into not me trying to get more businesses, it's like I'm putting all my energy and effort into helping other people get their business now. So which is even more rewarding, honestly. And that's what I truly, truly love to do. I'm so passionate about.
0: Yeah, it's kind of this value of working in public and showing your work. It is just a compelling story. I mean, that's the reason that I reached out. It's like, wait, this early 20s person is going out and buying a business and telling about it. Like, I don't know. I think that's really inspiring for a lot of people. So yes, TikTok at Hannah Ingram underscore underscore between and after the words there. We'll link that up in the show notes. I'll close it in on a million followers over there. Yeah. So definitely the, the content side of the business has blown up considerably over the last couple of years yes. as well.
1: For sure it has.
0: The other thing that was on my mind is if you have a nightmare scenario where one day you pull up to do your daily maintenance tasks and something is broken, I don't know, just have like, uh, oh my gosh, we don't want to, <laughs> why do I have to deal with this right now? And anything like that yeah. happen here? And the reason I ask is like, when I think, I guess, website stuff, oh, I got hacked, the server is down, whatever. Bricks and mortar, like, oh gosh, there's a whole new realm of possibilities of bad things that can happen.
1: One of the main things, of course, is like the money aspect of it. Having top-notch security was like one of my top things like that's another thing I did was I bought like eight new security cameras on top of what they already had because that's really the number one concern is making sure I protect the money there the vaults and everything because people are out for no good to no good and stuff so yeah definitely made sure I had some top-notch security but I think the worst thing that's ever happened that was crazy was people were stealing my trash bags out of my trash cans when they were full not when they were empty when they were full and i would come there in the morning or whatever and then people would be throwing trash away these people that were stealing this trash would come by steal my trash bags and then i would have to dig the trash out with my bare not my bare hands with gloves like the next day because i it didn't have a trash bag in them so i know that sounds minuscule but that's like the worst thing that happened so weird so annoying
0: They're looking for cans like to recycle or uh, like redemption value stuff to go trade in.
1: Still to this day, I don't understand it, but my cameras are there. So I did get their make of their car and their license plate number and uh, turned them into the cops. Imagine that phone call like, hey, someone's stealing my trash down here. Can you please tell them to stop? So
0: yeah, the cops are like, that's great. It's one less thing for you to
1: deal with. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Yeah, until I got there and had to dig it out. But You know, that's pretty much just making sure the security was good because I guess the worst thing that could happen would be someone breaking into the vault or whatever, even though I keep them cleaned out most of the time. I don't let them sit there with money, but just making sure I had alarm security, stuff like that.
0: Yeah. You've got videos of like the big old buckets of coins. You just roll up to the (laughs) bank with this stuff. Like what do they think is going on? I mean, they must know you're like the local car wash operator, but it's just, is there a, (laughs) what's the deposit process?
1: I literally pull up to the bank and I've got like bags of cash and I've got five gallon buckets of coins and I'm walking through the bank doors looking like a Brinks truck just pulled up (laughs) and people are looking at me and I'm sure the bank tellers are shaking their head when I pull up, but everybody's pretty nice about it.
0: Yeah. They must know you at this point.
1: They do. Yeah, we're best friends, but I definitely get some stares when I'm carrying buckets of money in multiple buckets, like four or five. I usually have four or five buckets of coins.
0: All right. Well, Hannah, this has been awesome. You've got me inspired to go look for some motivated sellers and see what are these time leveraged businesses that I might be able to go and acquire, insert myself into, stand in front of this cash flow that's already happening versus trying to build something completely from scratch. Definitely an inspiring and creative way to go about it. So again, you find Hannah Ingram on TikTok. That's probably the best place to do there in her bio. She's got a link to a free training for more info on this type of time leveraged business, this type of really creative acquisition process, how to go shopping for cash flow in your hometown. So Check her out over there. We'll also link that up in the show notes. Hannah, let's wrap this thing up with your number one tip for Side Hustle Nation. My
1: number one tip that has gotten me through a lot is just being persistent. Like even when someone tells you no, you got to keep going. If the first discouragement hits you in your face, keep going. At the end of the day, if you want to be wealthy or financially free, it's a decision. Like it's not just fate. You make the decision to become wealthy and it's in your hands at the end of the day. So you've got total control of the outcome of your life.
0: You've got control. If you don't do something tomorrow is going to look a lot like today. That was a line from a guest years ago that has always stuck with me and it's like, Oh shoot. You know, it really makes it really forces you to look in the mirror and say, all right, it's on me. Let's go, let's go make something happen. That's true. I love that. My notes here, we're finding a motivated seller. Like once it hits these listings, like market efficiencies tend to take effect. You got lots of buyers looking at that stuff. So if you can find an off market deal, if you can deal with that seller directly, Probably going to be able to strike a much better deal and especially have more leeway to get creative with that, with the, oh, we're going to do seller financing. He's going to have a two-year balloon. Just buy yourself some time to go and cash flow the note and then show that cash flow track record to a bank or traditional financing source. And then the biggest thing here, what I think is really cool, where new blood can come in and say, I'm going to breathe some. Of my expertise into this. I'm going to improve this. I'm going to add the credit card readers. I'm going to add a digital presence so people on the interstate know that we exist. And oh, I can double the cash flow by making a few relatively simple, relatively inexpensive changes. And that's the thing starting a new business from scratch still has a pretty high failure rate, despite our best efforts. And so there's the school of thought that says, well, what if you could just go out and insert yourself into this cash flow that's already happening? Why not buy a business that's already operating that's already profitable that's already gotten past that dangerous liftoff stage that zero to one is like the hardest part yes so it reminds me of the rich dad poor dad rat race escape math where once you've got monthly income from assets that you control that exceeds your expenses you're free and that's just a magical place to be in you have got some flexibility and optionality there so if you liked this episode You're going to also love my chat with Jono Santamaria in episode 543. It was not about a car wash, but it was about buying a laundromat as his side hustle in Australia and how he applied some relatively quick tweaks, playing puppet master and dialing these different knobs that ended up tripling the revenue in that one. episode 543. Go check that one out next. Or if you're not sure where to start, go grab yourself a personalized playlist at hustle.show. All you got to do is answer a few short, multiple choice questions. You can do it from your phone. And I'll give you a custom curated playlist of the episodes that I think are going to be most relevant and most impactful for you. You can add those to your device. You can learn what works and you can start making more money. Once again, that's at hustle.show. Big thanks to Hannah for sharing her insight. You can hit up sidehustlenation.com slash deals for all the latest offers from our sponsors in one place. And thank you for supporting the advertisers that support the show. That is it for me. If you're finding a value in the show, make sure to text it to a friend. Thanks so much for tuning in. Until next time, let's go out there and make something happen. And I'll catch you in the next edition of the Side Hustle Show. Hustle on. Awesome.